All right. It is my utmost pleasure to welcome the chairman and CEO of Tacit, Kevin Green. Welcome to Cloud and Clear. Thank you, Tony. Nice, nice to be with you. It's nice to have those, you know, recent success stories published together. We did one and Google Cloud published one. Clearly, what you're doing is uh, super exciting. And we're here to learn about you and learn about um, that just from your own perspective. But before we dive into Tacit, um, we'd love to get to know you a little bit more as a leader, as a person. Tell us a little bit about your career journey and how you landed here where you are now. Sure. So, uh, I mean, I started my career many years ago as a management consultant with McKinsey and Company in financial services. Since then, it's been quite a while. I've started my own boutique investment bank that still exists. I created a roll-up of uh, pension consulting firms, creating the fifth largest firm in the U.S., advising $500 billion in institutional assets. Wow. I've uh, run for about 15 years a family office for Dennis Naden, the former chairman and CEO of GE Capital. And within that, he and I have made a lot of investments across a lot of industries, raising, ranging from carbon capture and mutual funds. Uh, but our real specialty for both of us, given our backgrounds, is financial services, and uh, which kind of leads us to Tacit. When uh, blockchain technology first appeared on the scene back in 2015, 16, where we became aware of it, it was apparent to us the power of blockchain to transform uh, financial services. And uh, TASA was formed in October 2017 with the simple mission of bringing the power, efficiency, and flexibility of blockchain technology to the banking industry. And uh, we took a very different approach from virtually everybody else in the market. Our view of the world was that rather than trying to displace, overcome, destroy, whatever word you want to use, the uh, banking industry, that we would try to deploy blockchain technology to empower banks to compete effectively in the new digital economy. So that was one distinction. The second one was that we built everything on private permission blockchain. And those two distinguishing characteristics have uh, served us very well and we're seeing a lot of success from it. It's interesting how you describe partnering with the established architecture and the foundation of our financial systems. A good friend of mine used to head um, Google Cloud himself back back in the days, Dave Girard, when he founded Upstart, the way he described it was similar in that there's all this sort of this, you know, DeFi and redefinition of different financial products and platforms. Uh, but he thought in in his world of sort of loan origination and and, and access to um, better access to credit for consumers, that partnership with the banks and established framework was was a key part of the strategy. And that sounds similar with your thesis. Uh, very much so. We have a f- tremendous uh, financial services infrastructure. We've got a banking system that's really been operating very effectively for more than 150 years. It's a trust-based environment. Uh, consumers and corporations trust their banks. Regulators and the government trust the banks. So that trust already exists. And all we're doing is is empowering those banks to serve their customers more effectively. I should also highlight that we are focused on the um, B2B market, not the consumer market. Right. Uh, you've got Venmo, PayPal, you know, dozens of competitors in the retail market. 
which is only about $5 trillion a year in transactions. B2B payments have been estimated to be anywhere from 25 to $50 trillion. So wow. it's five to 10 times as large. And believe it or not, more than 60% of all B2B transactions still involve a paper check. So as a as an as investor in technology, as a builder of businesses, an entrepreneur, that's really exciting to take yeah. an industry that's just ripe for modernization where there are few competitors and where there's we, a uh, entry called regulations. We send thousands of invoices every month and we still get paper checks. So I know that's that. Amazing, right? <laughs> that's amazing, amazing. <laughs> totally valid. And it, it's still, it's surprising. Obviously the volume has somewhat reduced, but it's surprising how much of it is still sort of just old fashioned paper checks. Um, yep. So it's a massive addressable market. I, I agree. Like I, I've seen a lot of this evolution and you could argue the early test cases, the case studies, the pushing of the envelope, whether it's regulatory or otherwise was first maybe done on the consumer side. So I guess you're benefiting from those tailwinds that uh, that new modality or new way that money moves around is, has been created. I don't know anybody else doing it um, in, in B2B like you are, and you seem to be quite, quite far ahead. But why did you get this idea that this was an area that A, needed disruption? Well, part of it you described, but more deeply, why, why did it need disruption? And why was like, what is special about blockchain technology and tacit technology that is transformational? Yeah, I described to uh, bank CEOs and, and boards and, you know, most of whom are not really technology savvy. And the way I make it very simple is, uh, first of all, just big trends, right? Big trend is that the legacy systems that frankly power most of the world's economy in every industry all built by Microsoft, Intel, Cisco Systems, SAP, and others 40 and 50 years ago. That's old technology. Uh, blockchain is the next generation. It's a quantum leap in capabilities. And the analogy I use for people who are not tech savvy is um, imagine you have a stagecoach, right? You can e keep adding horses, but that <laughs> stagecoach can only go so fast. Yeah. Blockchain technology, as anybody who's familiar with it knows, it's like driving a Ferrari that can actually do all sorts of interesting things and go anywhere you want to go. So it's it's more efficient, it's more powerful, it's more secure, it's extremely adaptable. So um, existing bank legacy systems cannot, really cannot do things like artificial intelligence, big data, smart contracts. They simply cannot do it. It's technologically impossible. So yeah. blockchain can do all that. So uh, truly, that was our insight. When we first understood what blockchain was about, when at least for us as investors, it, it occurred on the scene seven years ago, it was clear that the uh, speed of use, the ability to embed data, et cetera, um, the speed of development um, would just transform every industry. And we happen to know banking and financial services really well. So it was a natural place for us to operate. So it's often the case, I think, in enterprise and enterprise software that the best software doesn't always win. There's just an immense amount of inertia, uh, these ecosystems of people and tools that are just extremely hard to displace, even when better things come along. I assume one of the things that you've thought about and enabled is like the ability to plug in to what already exists in a way that doesn't require them to change everything else. So 
just can you describe like how does tacit get implemented into this well-established deeply rooted uh platform that most banks of all sizes still run on yeah um it's a superb question you're spot on um we build our blockchain solution right on top of the existing core legacy system. So we actually just build on top of it and make it run more efficiently. And then we link into the cloud and, and use all the power of the cloud as well. So that's how we do it. That doesn't mean that there isn't a lot of institutional resistance and a lot of education that has to be done, but we can build right on top of the existing core banking systems. What's great is I think, what people don't realize, I mean, we all we, we all hear about the big banks. And by the way, I think in our experience, there's been a huge cultural shift already in financial platforms running, at least in part, on cloud. Um, for me, that kind of pivotal moment was, you know, the Deutsche Bank Google Cloud announcement, because obviously that's the ecosystem we're closest to. But I remember for years, there was this thesis that regulated industries would never adopt cloud. Like they, they would never run it in cloud. It would have to be theirs. I remember healthcare was that way and that healthcare actually, I think, accelerated cloud adoption because of the regulated um, aspects of like what, what a breach would mean for them. Like it was intolerable that they would have to run their own security around these things. So it actually accelerated the migration of you know patient data and other things to cloud. Then I think financial services followed. So are you seeing like more of an open mind with a, a, a platform like yours that runs in cloud to be integrated into their core systems? Yes, very much so. In fact, uh, to, the, to the credit of uh, firms like cloud with the help of SADA, um, I think I'm like Google and the help of SADA, uh, actually listened to what the, the customer is saying. And so, you know, up their game in terms of uh, security and privacy the needs of the financial services industry. Um, don't forget that the people who are, you know, making the assertions of all these challenges were the people who built the legacy systems, right? <laughs> so they had a vested interest. So good news for players like Google and SADA. I mean, you guys responded and created a secure private solution that actually works in financial services um, linked to the power of the cloud and, then for us, linking that into blockchain solutions, it's just a better solution. And so, yeah. So the industry, the industry didn't stand still. They actually listened and they responded. And good yeah, things I mean, there's all these regulations uh, that right. we had to comply as Google, right. as, as a Google Cloud ecosystem, certifications and audits and things that were, you know, record FISMA and other things, right? That we had to kind of wait to to catch up to 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 the cloud. Um, capabilities and data centers and software and security posture. I do feel, of course, that if well configured, that those platforms are going to be fundamentally more secure than almost anything that can be done by most organizations on their own in a data center. And one of the reasons is we know that these public cloud providers are actually one of the biggest targets of all threats. So they're responding and patching and updating and predicting and um, all sorts of threat vectors, including like nation states, right? Like, so, so of course, we want to leverage that on behalf of our customers. It's not automatic, requires well thought out architecture and, and, and configuration. But, um, but I'm, I'm happy that you're seeing it from the inside, especially where you come from, being in this industry so long that like the, 
platforms have caught up, but also then that allowed the industry to have, have a much more open mind. Yes, yeah, this is exactly what we say to banks. We explain to them that at the end of the day, again, we're big fans of blockchain. Um, private permission blockchain is a lot more secure than legacy systems. And vendors like Google have really made great strides. I mean, Google's, I think a lot of their brand, brand is all around security and privacy. Absolutely. Um, and, and that really resonates well. Um, I don't think that's a big challenge anymore in speaking with banks. That's my experience. That's, that's Convincing fantastic. them of using the cloud is, to us, never gets raised. Um, obviously, you know, the educational process we're having is the power of uh, blockchain and the difference between private permission blockchain versus public blockchain. I love that um, we have customers like Tacit that are putting into production use cases for blockchain technology that are not just like cryptocurrency related. Obviously, that's fantastic. We have lots of customers that do that. But I think um, an education process for all of our customers in aggregate is like, when you think blockchain, don't think just cryptocurrency. Yes, that is part of something that uses similar technology, but you're doing a completely private use case that has to do with B2B payments, has nothing to do with the price of Bitcoin or Ether or Dogecoin, or any of those things. So it's really great to see like an industrial B2B use case uh, that is transformational being applied uh, by, uh, by Tacit. Yep. Where do you see this um, market going in general? Well, <laughs> I'll just share with you what I say to bank chairmen and CEOs and senior executives. When I meet with them and I take them, I'm about to start a presentation. I say to them, if, if, if I leave you with no other concept, no other thought today, it should be one thought and one thought only. The future of banking is blockchain and blockchain is the future of banking. That's where it's going. It's going to get there yeah. eventually. And the question is whether you are you know, on the train, leading the train or get run over by the train. That's yeah. the decision you have to make. So we have no doubt about it. Um, when you come back to the, I want to come back to the crypto world for just a moment. The cryptocurrency world was a, uh, a absolute perfect use case, right? Here you have people who trade around the clock around the world and they need uh, instantaneous solution. So it's a perfect use case. But I was explaining to people, we're focused on the other 99, 98% of the U.S. economy, where having kind of had this great like hothouse of creation over here, I think there's a lot of that happening. How do we bring that into the general economy? And the applications are endless. Uh, yeah. With the banks that we're working with, we developed over 30 use cases and 30 different examples, and we're building smart contracts to deliver that functionality. And th this is just beginning. It's yeah. going to be hundreds by the time we're done. So once you explain to people that this creativity is out there, they can put it to work. Um, it's really, it's really quite remarkable. Um, I think it's, I think it's the change that we're seeing happening. Uh, this is one of the most exciting segments of our sort of vertical customer base is customers that are building on this technology. Um, we're seeing that more and more are choosing GCP as the platform to build on. And, you know, we know the case studies we've read, you know, the performance increases of the platform being on GCP, but in your own words, uh, can you describe why you chose to build on, on Google Cloud? 
Sure. So we looked at uh, several factors. Um, you know, embedded security was really important. The ability to meet regulatory mandates related to privacy and security, the availability of development tools, and an ecosystem that we felt would provide expertise as we needed, uh, a partner that could move swiftly and stay within our budget were also mattered. And when we evaluated vendors, really felt that uh, Google Cloud provided all those capabilities. And uh, we were impressed by all the security provisions that Google offered us. And we also leveraged, in the case of SADA, your Power Start cloud security assessment tools. So for us, yeah. it, it was all the above. We had a partner that could uh, you know, move swiftly, be adaptable, where we had you know, no questions about their, um, you know, about their uh, security and safety, which is all important. And that they could operate within a regulated environment, which is not easy. Yeah. Really important. Uh, we, we just proudly completed, we've been SOC 2 as an organization for a long time ourselves, let alone what Google has. Google has a bunch of these, obviously, but we just completed ISO 27001 here at SADA, which I'm super proud of. We announced that last week. Yeah, security is just, if you don't have that figured out, essentially nothing else matters. I think the market's realizing that now. So I'm glad you took advantage of that offer. The, the, the power offerings are also a new concept and how do customers buy bite-sized prescriptive solutions to common problems that are kind of repeatable, that are very common amongst customers. So I'm glad you took advantage of that. Um, so um, do you think that Tacit will address the majority of the market? Because I see only a few banks really attempting what you're doing to be built in-house. Do you feel like that essentially leaves the rest of the market? Like how big can Tacit get? <laughs> well, there are 4,000 banks in America. They all need what we have to offer. I think more realistically, whenever you have, again, I've been an investor in technology for three decades. And what happens in industry after industry is that today's leaders are not tomorrow's leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, today's winners are not tomorrow's winners. Uh, what defines tomorrow's winners are the are the entities that adopt the technology first and deploy it best. So uh, we really believe that the banks that adopt our technology and our approach, adopt the blockchain. I mean, there'll be other competitors out there. We're trying to move fast to grab as much territory as we can. But we truly believe that it's going to the world's going to separate into those that, again, who, who are driving Ferraris versus those who stay wedded to uh, stagecoaches. So we really believe that banks that adopt and deploy blockchain-based solution, private permission blockchain-based solutions first are going to win. You know, our first client signature bank demonstrated that, going from nowhere in their space to being a dominant player, going from being the 44th largest bank in America to about the 12th largest in three years. Um, and we think that will happen over and over again as banks yeah. adopt our solutions and get out there. So that's another customer of ours, Signature Bank. Good. Yes, I know. <laughs> I think we're doing some work together in that in that account, which I love. I love when our customers become customers of our other yep. customers and it's it's, yep. a, it's a great relationship. No, they, yep. they're they're very progressive in their thinking, but I completely agree with you. And we're seeing this play out over and over again uh, in our evaluation of how we segment and where we focus. 
there's all this data around, you know, what is the average age of the top 10 SMP, you know, over time, I think in 2020, the average age of the company on the S&P top 10 was like 84 years. And by 2027, the average age is going to be 12 years. So these are companies that were born, you know, in the last few years, just like you have. And we're seeing a couple of things. One is um, in terms of the Google Cloud market, if you're a digital company born 15 years ago, you probably didn't choose Google because Google just wasn't in the market. But if you were born in like the last three years or earlier, I think, or, or more recently, then I think um, we're winning a lot of the, the hearts and minds of not only the um, the business leaders in these customers, but the technologists and engineers. You describe developer tools, you describe ecosystem capabilities, um, obviously pa- partners who are helpful in that journey. And it's great to see that combination of disruptive tech being built on the most disruptive cloud and then taking that to market and allowing these other banks to completely ascend and disrupt the traditional institutions who are simply not moving fast enough. It's, un- it's an unbelievable story. Yeah, I would, I would uh, look, I see that in spades. We see that in spades. Uh, there is an intergenerational change that is happening uh, within the banking industry. I watched this happen 30 years ago in asset management in Europe. And I could give you a long story around that. That was my first successful business. I'm watching it happen again, that it's um, people younger than me, but the 30-somethings, the 40-somethings are just a lot more tech savvy than the bank chairmans and CEOs. And what we're yeah. seeing is that it's the older chairman and CEOs who kind of see the future, who are empowering the, that younger next generation. And those are the ones that are going to dominate banking 5, 10, 15 years from now. I've seen this happen again and again in many industries. This is no different. And uh, That's inspiring. You're absolutely right. I mean, Google has is playing a, a lead role there. And a lot of people grew up uh, doing all their searches on Google. So why not? Oh, yeah. Yep. A lot of the students grew up, you know, using Google Docs and Workspace and don't know what Windows is or what, what Outlook is. So I think this generation of information workers now making the decisions are more, you know, cl- just cloud native users of technology in general. And they sure, but sure look, don't know SAP or Cisco systems or anything else like that. Definitely, definitely. Um, look, I can't help but take this opportunity because I have you, an expert uh, in this, uh, in the economy and the financial systems. Um, this is a question my own employees are asking me, of course, and nobody can truly predict the future. But what's your read of what's happening in the broader economy right now in the United States, around the world? Um, what are you doing to respond? What do you talk about with your friends? Like, how do we not only make it through this cycle, but prepare ourselves to be stronger on the other side? Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> well, I have big, you in front of me. Like, I, I, can't, yeah. I can't miss this opportunity. Look, here's, here's how I think, because I'm a, I'm a student of history. And um, at the end of the day, companies and countries are all the same. He who attracts the most talent first and gets them to work well together wins. The United States have, has a lot of strengths. But it has been the beneficiary of a massive brain drain for 250 years. Actually, correct that, 350 years. As long as the next brilliant creator, innovator, entrepreneur, technologist decides that America is the best place for them to plant their flag and create wealth, we're going to be just fine. When we don't do that, we're going to be in trouble. 
And uh, actually, this is the conversation that we have with regulators, which is help banks adopt this technology. You can't say no. You can't be that famous King Canute trying to hold back the, the flood. OK, uh, younger, younger people won't know that analogy, but you just can't. I mean, we need to we need to be doing that as long as we remain open, dynamic, flexible. You know, there are other values that matter in all this freedom of speech, et cetera. As long as we're the freest, most innovative country on the planet, we really have nothing to worry about. And uh, America continues to be in that position. There are certainly other competitors. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're more likely to be a successful entrepreneur and want to plant your flag in the United States than you are in China or any place else in the world. And as long as that remains the case, you know, I do worry whether we're focused on that. I do worry about a lot of industries, you know, a lot of large companies across all sorts of sectors that spend a lot of their time trying to frustrate innovation, trying to stop yeah. it. Um, they're only hurting themselves. I mean, they're hurting long run, they're hurting themselves. They're hurting their children, their grandchildren, the world economy. Um, so that's really what matters. That's that's the key factor. Um, you know, if we have the best technology in the world, we have nothing to worry about. As an immigrant, I can attest to that. Um, My mother's an immigrant. And as a big fan of the Ham Hamilton, the musical, um, I can attest to this country is built by being the most attractive place for all the most bold, ambitious, you know, brave, smart people to come to, to do great things. If you don't want to do great things, maybe you don't, you know, you don't have to come, but if you want to do great things, I, I still believe that this is the best place to do it. It's not guaranteed forever. Uh, we think about H1B visa requirements and quotas around this, like all this stuff that makes it harder actually. Um, and I think you're right. Like the regulars uh, of those things need to kind of get in line if we're going to continue to be that country. But I'm glad you're so optimistic in general, as am I. Um, it's very hard to bet against uh, this country and our economy, especially the private sector. It just continues to astound me uh, how resilient and creative and powerful um, the things we do are. And, and, you know, we have this history of some of the most game-changing inventions on the planet were were commercialized here by people from other places. Um, if, you know, Elon Musk or Richard Branson or uh, you know, like any, like you go, you know, Einstein, like go, go, go as far back as you want. Right. So I, I do need, I, I do believe we need to continue to maintain that um, position and, and, and uh, it's not guaranteed forever. And that's kind of what I do also worried about, but I think it's hard to bet against uh, this economy and this country. No great country has ever failed because somebody invaded. They failed because they failed themselves internally. And then somebody invaded. And you just have to yes. keep remembering that. Our only real our only uh, real challenges are internal. That's true Ourselves. for companies. It's true it's for companies so true. too. You know, um, if you, all, if you uh, follow John Wooden, the great uh, basketball coach at all his championship teams, he always told his team, I really don't care what the opposition does. I focus on if we do our job every day, we'll win. Or, you know, every play, every game, we'll win. And, and totally, that's totally true for companies you. and that's true for countries. There's a lot of there's a lot of parallel parallel examples that happen that happen everywhere. I totally agree with you. I, I think the same way. There's like there's not a, a competitor that's going to get in our way of achieving, you know, our potential. It's gonna be 
us who either execute or don't. And that's very empowering. You know, if you, if you truly think that and believe that it's, it's sort of like gives you the sense that it's in your hands. And I think that's a way better feeling than being afraid of what's on the outside of the things you can't control. Correct. Yep. Well, Kevin, what a pleasure to connect with you. Thank you sure. for going off script and, uh, you know, getting a little uh, philosophical with me towards the end, but I, I couldn't help but having like a, a, a veteran of the industry who's seen cycles, you know, how many of our employees have never seen a down cycle before? Right. right. Uh, <laughs> your perspective on, on that, especially in the deep, you know, financial um, institutional knowledge that you've had over the, the many years. Um, I'm a big fan of what we're doing uh, together and what Tacit is doing. This is the best type of customer for us, building on cloud, using the latest technology in a way that's disrupting entire industries. So, um, uh, our aim will be to, to, to have you a customer and partner for life. Great. And uh, we're going to be cheering you on actively in the trenches um, the whole way. Tell your, your young employees, which is why I tell my young employees, is uh, all the really great periods of innovation happen during periods of stress. Mm. The Great Depression generated more technological innovation in America than almost any period of time before or since. The same happened yeah. in the 70s during stagflation. And yeah. uh, we could well be entering another one of those periods. And you'll see tremendous creativity because, because necessity is a mother of invention. People innovate totally when they're forced to. So I think it'd be a great time for, it's always a great time for innovative companies, but we could be entering a really, really exciting, we're in an exciting time as it is, but it could get a lot more exciting. And those who keep their cool and execute and innovate will come out so much stronger on the other side whenever the market, you know, goes, does what it you know, always does inevitably, which is kind of return. So yes, sir. Well, thank you so much. Okay. You've been a great guest. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app. <laughs>